0: Life happens day to day and God knows I've been changing with it. We have to, right? We hear a lot about celebrities and the stories of what they've overcome. I wanted to do a show that highlights some of the not so well-known overcomers and what can happen if we just keep going. The New York Times called today's guest the inexhaustible Mr. Herman. If the name holds true, I guess it tells the story as to why he's yet making moves across the country. I was going to be a writer. It never dawned on him that he'd become a professional dancer, but that he did. When the doctors diagnosed him, they said that he wouldn't be able to feed himself, clothe himself, and that he'd need assistance for pretty much everything that he did. But when he walked the runway in New York's Fashion Week, he did what millions dream of. They said he wouldn't, but he became a model, an ambassador for the Cerebral Palsy Foundation and a strong advocate for disabled athletes and performers. They didn't tell him that having a mind to just keep going would get him on the cover of magazines or performing in venues such as Lincoln Center and the Whitney Museum of Art. When you watch him perform, you are watching audacity in its brilliance. This is Jerron Herman. All right. I do appreciate you being on with me today. Very My much. Pleasure. So let's jump right in. Um, let me ask you what your thoughts are, first off, what your thoughts are about what you're doing right now?
1: Well, my major thoughts about what I'm doing right now are like, how can I do it? (laughs) Uh, I'm in a place where I am gainfully employed, um, walking in my passions. Um, I am um, making my own work. I'm exploring different facets of the things that I've always wanted to explore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm being supported by friends and family, and I have a good artistic community around me. So I just feel, uh, I'm just really in wonder about everything that's kind of going on um, professionally um, with all the work that I'm doing right now.
0: So why don't you just take a minute to um, to tell us how you got into what it is you're doing and and kind of explain exactly what you're doing
1: sure um so i'm a professional dancer and um but i'm not a typical professional dancer i mm-hmm. also write i curate panels i um i mentor i i did i also say i write yes <laughs> <laughs> um, i i do i do a multitude of things um and it's so strange because like people, my peers who are in companies um, or teaching classes and they're also dancers, like they're not always doing the things that I'm doing. Um, there's, a, there's a way in which people who have been, um, you know, training since they were three years old to do a certain thing, you know, stay in that thing and do it really well. But you know the question is how do you branch out and so for me, I was invited into dance and I didn't have an initial uh, desire to be a dancer. Um, I wanted to be an artist I wanted to work in the arts and I always wanted to be uh, a part of that community but I didn't want to do explicitly dance I mean I never even really thought that I, I would be uh, this deep in my career with it um, and yeah, I was invited by um, by happenstance, I was working as a theater uh, education apprentice, uh, like around my sophomore year of college. A choreographer who was also a teaching artist uh, at the time was doing this um, was doing this week long uh, intensive on dance and so as one as the apprentice you have to go in and support you know whoever's in the studios and so i just kind of took a leap i didn't really know what to expect i just thought it'd be interesting you know interesting anecdote to be like oh yeah i helped the choreographer out for a week (laughs) and his this this guy his name is sean curran and i kind of call him like my fairy godfather because he kind of just like plucked and dropped me uh you know, really easily. Um, but yeah, he told me initially that he didn't, I didn't need, he didn't need an assistant. He wanted a participant and he didn't know my background, he didn't know, anything. And so I just dropped in and explored and did the activities that he was having other people do. And so it was like fun. I was like getting paid right. to already <laughs> have fun. Like that already was like, okay, this is wild. The best job. Um,
0: That's the best right? job. <laughs> That's
1: the best job. So, oh my gosh, I I tell you, Thursday, he hands me a ringing phone. It's my lunch break and he hands me a ringing phone. On the other line is the woman that I will I would have uh, um, worked with for eight years as a dancer, Heidi Lasky. Wow. And so he introduced me to her. And the next week I was in a studio auditioning for her. And after that audition, she asked me to join her company, and we were off to the races. Yeah, with Heidi, it was like I was learning literally on the job. I was learning what a tondu was. I was learning five, six, seven, eight. Right. I was how to count. I was learning <laughs> right. all these. I was also, again, getting paid for gigs and wow. tra- traveling, and uh, I was, like, the baby member of, like, a, you know, a, a cast of six. And you know I was like 20, 21 and everyone else was like in their 30s so it was also I was one of the only disabled people in the cast at the time um and so that was like also really intriguing um because I knew so 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 little um and so I just grew I just grew that company and uh eventually started to yeah again make my own work And um, I've joined another company since then, um, or in this collective. It's not really even a company; it's a collective of independent artists uh, who are coming together and doing their own thing. So,
0: very interesting story, because it's like (laughs) you know, there are people who have been dancing all of their lives, who set out to be dancers, who don't get that kind of opportunity. So you didn't set out for dance. What did you want to be when you were mm-hmm. younger?
1: I was going to be a writer. I was already going to, to New York City <laughs> when I was eight years old to become a writer for either the stage and TV or the stage and, you know, not really, fi- I wasn't really feeling film at the time. Be at a publishing house or, um, yeah, be a part of a magazine. Um, yeah, that was early on, and it was spurred on by another teacher and another invitation. In third grade, I learned, I really loved storytelling, um, and my my family's very artistic <laughs> and gregarious and all uh-huh. that, and so I, I really needed to define my own voice. Um, my brother was a big influence because he was a um, a, a a major actor he was a a big star at the time
0: okay and
1: so i really wanted to i really wanted to do something comparable but not you know following and so uh, he was the actor so i would be the writer and so i just i just came up with this um this fantasy in my mind that i would be the one to write for him write things (laughs) that he could do on stage and that was the way I could be in the community it was around high school that i was like okay being, it was, it was other people saying like, Oh, I've never seen someone on Broadway with, you know, super palsy or I've never seen someone in a movie with super palsy. So around that time, I was already crafting like this. Okay. I'm going to New York, I'm going to study. Um, maybe I, I do want to do acting as well, but I'd already, you know, I would already kind of etched out a writing career okay. because I might encounter, you know, discrimination
0: out there. you knew early that you wanted to go to New York. Um, what was it that told you you could do that? I've
1: always been against the grain. Um, so I'm stubborn. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a little hard headed. Um, I like to see something come to fruition before I give up on it. You know, like I really want to, you got to tell me it's dead before I really accept it, you know. It, and even then, there's resurrection. Right. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can say whatever you want to say.
1: <laughs> and I think, you know, I just had a really big um, chip on my shoulder. <laughs> I needed to uh, I really needed to pr- i needed I needed to create my own life you know mm-hmm. early on it I was given all of these things that I could not do diagnostically um, mm-hmm. that just never that continued to to fall by the wayside like they said I wouldn't be able to clothe myself and here I am clothing myself, you know they told me it so i was I was seeing these things literally drop off like these things that they said I couldn't do so I was led with okay. Then who is telling me I can't do something? And let me question. Right. Let me question. Right. Um, and so yeah, New York was the biggest was the biggest factor in like faith leap um, because it was unprecedented territory. You know, uh, uncharted. Um, it was something I would I was going to be doing independently.
0: And and I guess my thought too is. Um, Having a disability, a lot of people can feel like they really need to to be codependent. You decided, I'm going to go all the way across the country (laughs) by myself and do what I want to do and make a life for myself. And I'm going to create it. And don't anybody tell me what it needs to look like. Can you share with us just a little bit about what cerebral palsy actually is um, diagnostically and what are some of the limitations that you know doctors will tell you that you're going to have and maybe encourage some people who are dealing with um, Mm. cerebral cerebral palsy themselves and then also maybe have family members or friends um, because it's always a good thing to have someone that's going through something to talk back because they, they inspire other people, and that's what we're doing here on this show for Just mm-hmm. Keep Going. That's what we're mm-hmm. doing is trying to inspire people to recognize, don't stop, keep going. Right. So if you could yeah. address that for me.
1: Totally. So um, cerebral palsy is a neurological, uh, neuromuscular disorder um, that affects the voluntary movement of limbs um and it begins from uh synaptic nerves in the brain misfiring signals to your muscles so with your brain like the hemispheres uh, you know of the the brain my i always get this wrong my right (laughs) right (laughs) hemisphere telling my left uh arm to like you know Open, open the hand, for example, and that signal. You know, I'm, I'm thinking it, but the signals are misfiring, so it's not happening. Okay. Or, um, and so then what manifests is like, um, usual tightness or spasticity, um, and um, dystonia, which is a quality of uh, muscle activation that is, um, uh, sporadic. Um, and some of the things that you know children this is also an adolescent um disorder like it begin, you, like you are diagnosed within the first year of being born um the first year of living and um it usually treatment usually spans up until like 16. so even like there's a phenomenon around like what does an adult with CP look like and act okay. like and, and deal with and so the medical uh field isn't really Equipped to answer those questions. So actually I'm starting to be a part of like some task forces and some like, you know other writers who are Trying to answer those questions mm-hmm. um, What it's like to be an adult with CP. So uh, what a lot of us have been told and had to ex- have experience is like um, The kind of a litany of things you can't do on your own um, You know uh, feeding yourself clothing yourself, uh, walking without assistance.
0: Hi, I'm Elaine Reedus, a national wealth coach and wealth building mentor who paid off $37,000 of debt in 18 months. I teach financial concepts that the wealthy use to establish wealth and leave a legacy. Contact me to create a financial plan to secure your prosperity and generational wealth, or to learn how I can help and mentor you to earn an additional income in the finance industry.
1: What's to your point about codependence, I mean it's ingrained in diagnosis, right? Like right. you will need you will need assistance. Like and that's, you know, so a lot of my other disabled friends were trying to think through like how care doesn't have to be a dirty word. What is the agency in care? Right. And can you know, what is that kind of what's that feeling? Because you will need it, but you're also still in, you know how do you retain your independence while you're right. getting care?
0: Right. So yeah. Did
1: your parents cater to you a lot?
0: Um, oh, they you did not. Home life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, oddly enough, my my parents did early on. They did some really radical uh, intervention work for me, like keeping me away from unnecessary surgeries um that they that that people would um would say I needed like to cut my ligaments or to like you know uh short like like re like fix my feet my foot like they're like not and so to to now when like I go when I'm hanging with other friends who have CP and I tell them I never had a surgery they like look at me <laughs> weird they're like what <laughs> You're a unicorn, and so I go back to my family. Like y- y'all don't know what you what you did implicitly. Um, they gave me the same parenting they gave my older brother. Um, they did not. Uh, yeah, they they gave me the same responsibilities. I had to pick up after myself. I had to learn how to wash dishes. I had to learn how to do all of these things. And then we really got excited about the ways that I adapted to different things. So um, yeah, how living independently became like a game, you know, became a very interesting, um, yeah, an interesting part of our lives where we're just trying to figure out how to do the same thing differently. Do you use the term disability? I say disability. I think it, um, it's a political and cultural word as well as being a, um, a diagnosis um there's like a whole culture of different folks that look like me and operate like me uh in the world across the world that there's this culture you know that kind of that bubbles up from the kinds of things that we do that we similarly do um and our you know having this like umbrella of disability is um I'm able to really locate and just kind of center a lot of my artworks, a lot of my thinkings, um, because then it's not like I am, how to say like, I'm not, when I dance, for example, I'm not dancing in spite, right. In spite of like how my body is, but I'm also not dancing outside of what my body is. So like, naming it disabled dance is like for me really powerful because it's say it's saying that there's a history, there's a culture, and so all these it's it's very much like, you know, African American, black, all the you know, what is the moniker and how does that um how does that how how is that, you know, why, why, why would you use some words? Um and I think that I use it because I'm acknowledging a history, um, good and bad um with the word uh two um i uh, yeah i was very young when i really kind of felt i like i felt my disability immediately because of social interaction um and seeing difference and noticing difference um and yeah i think that my reactions are just that they're reactive like I, a lot of the things that i did was in reaction to what I was given like from peers and from random people on the street, um, you know, I had to answer questions early on. So um, what is, what is hemoplasia cerebral palsy? Like right. an eight year old having to, you know, <laughs> explain that is, is kind of hard,
0: kind right. of rough,
1: rough day at the monkey bar. <laughs> <laughs> So I grew early coping mechanisms for that and I grew early like uh early tactics to, you know, attack that and to be ready for that. Um, which yeah, made me more mature early on. I I kind of feel like, yeah, I had to be like I had to be mature my whole life, you know, right. to kind of deal with everything. And so with that, I think um maybe that's why I do have um I give myself allowance to Dream as I do, and to mm. push the push it a little bit because I'm like I have to be on point from day one, you know. Right. So give me give, give me my space to to be daring a little bit to right. switch it up. Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask you a little bit about what was the sure. time that you feel mm-hmm. like you were at your lowest point?
1: So I had gotten into NYU uh, Tisch School of the Arts. Okay, and it was my first semester there and i mean this was like chefs for playwriting okay Mm -hmm. and um so i was there and the money for the first semester came through
0: okay like
1: through some amazing amazing uh just networks and god stuff and i remember um getting the notice that I had to leave, and um, calling my dad the same day, and just crying on the phone in the street.
0: (laughs) In the bathroom, Uh, on the corner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was so upset. Um, It was such, it was the lowest point because it was, it was, as much as I wanted to make something happen myself, it had limits. And so I was very shook by that and also I had to leave my dream school, I had to leave what I thought was going to be my, you know, track to success and to being an artist. And so I was really, um, I was really out of it.
0: Okay, so Mm -hmm. how did, how did you recover?
1: Mm. So um, the school I graduated from, the King's College. I had emailed them because they had re- they were recruiting me the same time NYU was, and uh, we had a conversation about being going there. But I thought NYU would have been better. Kings is also in the in uh, New York, New okay. York City, small Christian school, and I transferred there the following semester, um, and just started to heal. I was in school, and I knew I I knew if I stayed in New York City. I would find a path if I stayed in the in the environment that I wanted to be in. I didn't care the school, I didn't care about what I was exactly doing. Right. I just knew that I would I would I would the environment would would keep me afloat.
0: Now, did I hear something also about you having to leave Kings also at some point? Oh, abruptly? Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: yeah. Yes, <laughs> I sure did too.
1: But this time I had my debt absolved by the president of the college, uh, that was really wild. So I was able to graduate.
0: It is amazing how we set our course to do certain things. We've got places where we just have to be. No, I can't yeah. be there. I have to be this place.
1: As we were going to school, apparently uh, you know, in parallel, in tandem, you know, like some people dropped out, some people didn't finish, some people didn't didn't continue doing what they went to school for and just like that realization that yeah like there are so many um that it's not all that you think it is at the same time taking some of that power out of individual things is so important to keep going
0: so Jerron my last question for you is what kind of legacy are you looking to leave in the earth um we're all gonna leave here what type of legacy are you yeah. trying to leave behind? Gotcha, huh? Mm.
1: <laughs> I mean, just when you said that uh, we're all going to leave here, I just had a very visceral, visceral <laughs> reaction. Oh, wow. To death. Just like, it really did hit wow. me. Because um, I don't often think about it. I really don't. I really don't think about death. Um, but my legacy, I would want to leave, is what it feels like to be free. What it feels like <coughs> to free to free yourself. What it feels like to. yeah be fully extended and um as best you can yeah and that that when that happens you experience that joy you experience that connection you experience a host of things that are just additive to a life um but it starts with yeah unshackling yourself becoming unfettered um all these words that are you know akin to bondage right like just breaking free and I think for me it's very very personal but it it does float for other people like you we've all been given limitations that are not necessarily limitations to the same scale but like we've all been told where our placement is what we're able to do what we're allowed to do there are a host of things that are external that dictate to us I'm about dictating to it so
0: pretty cool yeah well thank you so much for this interview I am ecstatic I mean just ecstatic that um you decided that you would uh do this interview with me and and share uh with the world you know who you are and your life and what you're doing and uh, what makes you, you and to inspire mm. them to just keep going. So thank you so much for being on with us today. And My I,
1: pleasure. I can't
0: wait to continue to see all of the things that you are doing um, from now on. I mean, I know that there's mm. still greater coming, so I'm, I'm ecstatic yeah. to see that mm. and I will definitely be celebrating you all the way.
1: Thank you. So good to talk to you.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I'm in the moment and I'm dancing. I feel this calm that I've got this. Everything is working together. And then some. Dance has relieved me of a stereotype that is placed on people with disabilities.
0: Thank you for watching this episode of Just Keep Going. If you'd like, you can find more of this interview at toyahawkins.com.